I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. What's up, everybody? It's Joe LaPuma. You are listening to the Complex Sneakers Podcast. As always, I am with my guys, Mr. Matt Welty. Here we are, new and improved. Yes, he is new and improved. He's playing through the pain. And of course, my man, Mr. Brendan Dunn. How are you, buddy? I'm in here. I'm feeling yeah. all right. I forgot playing through the pain. That's the the tooth issue you had, Wealthy. Yeah, he had a little issue this yeah. weekend, but he it's only Tuesday and he's here bright and early. How are we feeling, Wealthy? You had a root canal. Yeah, I I um I know I had mentioned previously on another podcast that I kind of was feeling like crap for no reason and and didn't know why. And I finally realized that I had a cracked and infected tooth down to like down to the down to the roots but that was causing like an ear infection and then a sinus issue that was ongoing for like a month and a half and i was like what's wrong with me your whole chakras off okay so yeah so the ear infection was not because of a certain product that we won't know (laughs) (laughs) okay you pass blame on it you pass blame on it but okay just check that was a that was a wild back but okay still this was yeah and you know what I got it done it's in a little bit of pain, but I feel better overall. Nice. I'm so glad to hear that. When I had a root canal this summer, I have I have experienced so little physical pain quite like that in my adult life. Just not being able to sleep, trying to lay down yeah. in different ways Tough. or put ice on it, just the pounding in your jaw like Oof. that. We'll yeah. get we'll get off this top. Not it's not the best content, but root canal feels like it starts okay. Forty five minutes, still okay, and then you're like, this isn't that bad, and then <laughs> it gets worse as it goes on. So, anyone having a root canal, we feel for you. And uh, he's living proof, Mister Matt Wealthy, that uh, you know, forty eight hour recovery. So all good. Do you guys notice the first camo bay pat? You know why I'm wearing it. Does anyone know why? Uh, why did you wear? Did you? T- Back in your cutty mode? Yeah, I'm back to 2009, 2010 okay. cutty okay. mode. Thank you, oh, Brendan I thought, Dunn. Joe Thank with you. the vape cap on. I thought I thought you were going to say that you wore this hat during your uh, Butcher's Block interview no, with, uh, with no. Ronnie Feig. I remember that, though. I thought about wow. that. I thought about that this morning. I had the Pink Floyd shirt on and an H&M denim shirt, to be honest. That's exactly <laughs> what it was. But okay, we're back so Joe's cutting. got the archival vape yes. camo cap on. He's yes. feeling He's feeling like you're feeling, what would you say, 2009, 2007? No, no, 2009, Man on the Moon. Hold on, let me just check. Okay, so we where, don't was, have to where edit. was Joe LaPuma at Listen. psychologically back then? Cuddy's new album released just this past week, and, yes. and you're feeling nostalgic for that Pete Cuddy era Dude, of Complex yes. when he was on the cover every other month. Guys. Tell me. 
What did it I feel got a like? Hair, I got a haircut in the city. This album's great, by the way. You guys know. <laughs> well, Wait, you got a haircut well, now or back oh, then? No, I'm going to listen. I'm going to finish the story. Wealthy always says that the Kid Cudi Ogre cover, the graffiti under it, I did the cover story. That's something that he really, really inspired yeah. him to, to work at Complex. So 2009, though, Man on the Moon 1, and then a year later, Man on the Moon 2. And this week, he, Cuddy completes the trilogy. So this is what I'll tell you guys. This is how deep I'm in it. I got a haircut in the city Saturday and I, I put the album on and I walked 23rd street, the old office, like, Oh yeah. Yes. And listen, it doesn't look anything like it did when we were working there. Yeah. But the, the, he restored the feeling great album. I don't know if you guys listened to it yet, but you guys should definitely listen to it. Uh, I brought the, the, the Bape camo out and uh, we're back. We're feeling good, man. We're, we're, it took me back to a different time. Man, that was over a decade ago. And here we are, Complex Sneakers Podcast, 56th episode, LT. The LT episode, I call it. LT. What, what is, oh, Lawrence Taylor. Right. Okay, yeah. well. We're, yeah. we're, in, we're in cliques. Huh? <laughs> we're in cliques. <laughs> cliques. I'm going to say, you were outside, Joe, in the city. I was outside a little bit. I had to get some fresh air because I'm about to quarantine again. You know, we're staying safe. We're staying socially distanced from people. And I, and I have to mention that because if I see you in the city and you recognize me, <laughs> I'm happy to take a photo with you. Always happy to interact with the fans, wherever it is, physically, digitally. But now is not the time to put your hand around me or go for a dap if we're taking That's a true. photo together. You know, I'm not even doing that with my loved ones or the people that I know. So we we got to we got to keep that distance. It's tough, though. Let me tell you, because you see because it's such a it messes with you because you'll be out like I've been out at dinner. Right. And -hmm. I've walked out of a restaurant, you know, distance and masked up, of course. And gloves on no gloves, gloves. I I did gloves in in March, I think. Yeah. Gloves. Okay. But we're okay on gloves. But I've walked out of a restaurant recently and like saw someone who I haven't seen in like not 10 months and i am pretty close friends with this person not really close friends but this and is somebody you actually know it was like i was seeing my brother my brother and you want to go in for a hug but you don't you, you got to be uh you got to be safe the other thing is i went to utopia bagels last week dolo mm-hmm. just drove uh you know got in the uber went to queens your, your driver like, took, took you no, he didn't. He didn't. But he took the Utopia Bagels. They took me back, and there was in into like where the bagels are being made, blah blah blah. And there was a lot of people, and you you leave, and you're like, oh man, you know, they were all masked up. But like, it is to your point, Dunn, You forget because you're so excited to see people. Yeah. Wealthy, so. have you seen anybody lately? I feel like I feel like you can't relate to this. Wealthy is the one who's been sequestered the most. No, I uh, I really I'm not. I mean. I'm not a sort of person, not that I'm being unsafe, but I'm not like this person who's bunkered in my house because I'm afraid of the world sort of situation. But at the same time, you know, living in Jersey City, it just feels like I'm in a world apart mm-hmm. from from New York, even though I live like the same distance as you guys do from from yeah. Manhattan out here. It just kind of feels like really like apocalypse land to, to a certain extent. It, like I haven't left my block. I don't leave the block. It's just so you and a landlord playing pool. Yeah, it, it. I don't. I don't. I don't go anywhere. So you guys have to go to the city, and you know, you yeah. run into people in there. It's like I just go around the same corner every morning and get Dunkin' Donuts, and don't see anyone. So that's tough, but also. I guess I feel it's like tough you're doing you've been, it right. I mean, yeah, if you've been I doing it ten careful, months, it could be I mean? it could be tough. But uh, you know, there's there is some sort of nice aspect to to kind of. 
being siloed like that. Another thing I want to get into last week, Complex Land Virtual Festival. Oh, yeah. The books moved, guys. Let's thank our audience. 200. Signed, yeah, 200 yeah. signed books moved. We can't thank you guys enough. Uh, I, I still want to know, though, because we did see one customer service email <laughs> where somebody complained. And this is a type of this is the type of email you see from your friends who own sneaker stores when people are trying to bot stuff and they send a fake email afterward being like, my son got a hold of my credit card and ordered 20 pairs of shoes. You have to cancel this order. Somebody emailed saying, my son bought eight books with my credit card. I don't know how he got a hold of it. Please cancel this order. Do we think that that was somebody trying to bot this situation, or was was the Definitely. kid eager to get books? No, because crew, are we canceling the order? What's the plan? We sh- we should have just said fuck it and made them deal with the consequences. Because <laughs> I don't want to not to give exact info or anything, but the emails were just funny because it was like soccer mom. Oh seven. It's like <laughs> oh, I, you know, I, I can't remember the address. <laughs> l- l- no, it's like lawnmower fifty nine at yahoo.com and you're just like, how are all these emails connected to the same person? Like this is so fake. I'm glad people did get the book. So great Me one too. to put under the Christmas tree. Did you guys get yes. your shopping done already for for Christmas? Little by little, it's coming together. Little okay. by little. Yeah. Wealthy. Uh, I'm going to do it probably tomorrow. I was just all laid up this uh, weekend of eating pan- eating pancakes. That was the go-to food. What, because of the tooth? Yeah, pancakes. I'm you made them that. or what? No, I ordered so much Seamless this weekend. Nice. <laughs> I ordered more. <laughs> Joe, I ordered more. Joe I ordered more. put that Seamless battery in your bag. Would yeah. Joe post I, a caviar order on Slack? Oh, uh, yeah. That was yeah. a meal. Yeah. Yesterday, that was a meal. Decisions. The Leone's with the uh, the chicken cutlet and the, the super sod. Whew. Heat rock. I got to say, I got all my Christmas shopping done, and now I'm in that. Wow. terribly uh, anxious phase where I'm looking at the Shopify shop app, not a sponsored moment, and yep. watching all the packages and figuring out when they're going to get delivered and whether or not I'm going to be here, you know, uh, waiting on pins and needles. I'm, I don't think we're going to be interrupted by one now. I got to ask, do you guys, are you guys tipping your delivery people? Not, not not the food people, but, you know, the UPS. Should I give the UPS person a little bit of money at the end of the year here? Because I've been getting a lot of packages. I don't. I don't it's hard because it. it, sometimes it's a lot of different people. Oh, I don't, I don't see them because. Oh, the doorman! <laughs> Your doorman. Oh. You can't relate at all. No, Excuse no, me. No. So, Joe, um, for people who don't live in a building Stop. like that, like I, I have to. <laughs> I think you should. I've been tipping like a lot of the, the over tipping. It's of course, like, of course, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I definitely would. And the doorman subsequently in my building, like take care of them, obviously. And, yeah. and there's a there's a lot of them, so. Uh, there's none of yeah, them in my building. They've been working nonstop, like no days off. And the, the other thing, to your point, done the packages, like the whole lobby is filled with packages. And it's like if you don't get them out, like you get, you keep getting reminders, reminders. It's been one day. It's been it's been one and a half days since your last notice for your package. So everyone's trying to get the packages out of there because Christmas during Christmas it gets so so crowded uh, downstairs. Christmas is coming up. Wealthy, do you know yet what your Christmas plans are? I know we've been talking about it a little bit. I uh, I need to figure. I'm gonna figure it out this week. I need to get a crown put on my tooth, which is uh, taking up my my precious you, time. So you're gonna go to Greg Yuna and get the 14 karat gold crown. <laughs> Let me know. I'll, I'll set it up. Or Uncle Dom. You want me to? Uncle Dom could do it. Who is Uncle, Uncle Dom? My yeah, uncle who's, works in the jewelry district. He's one is of that the only. True? Yeah, yeah, he's one of the only Italians who works in the jewelry district. You didn't know that? He's no. gotten. Yeah, he's gotten a lot of um, celebrity clientele. Their ring, 
Deirdre, Deirdre Maloney, John McFeeders <laughs> went to him. So, yeah. Jeweler to, the, Jeweler to the star. Yeah, Jeweler to the stars. I'll take you. We put the mask on. We go right to Uncle Dom. It's easy. What's, what's the friends and family rate like? We'll see. Don't worry about it. Depends on your behavior on that week. And then if you're good, <laughs> you get a good rate. If not, we not upcharge you. Nice. Like, yeah. Uh, um, I got a pack. So uh, I didn't tell you guys about this. And not, not to talk about purchases, but I found. <laughs> Joe spent another $4,000 on no, a pair of shoes. No, 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 nothing. <laughs> that, and I, I, I was going to text you guys, but I saved it. Argon's. Okay. $400, $400 pair. It's good, okay. right? It's a good price. And then yep. I got Sambas for $250, the original ones. Nice. Samba Dunks, and not yeah, Adidas. Yeah, both Dunks. Yeah. And, the, and the Argons I got because, one, Chris Gibbs' story on this podcast. Yes, yes. And Jason Sudeikis. And Jason yeah, Sudeikis. I know. I love How much guys, we've, we've talked me. about the Argons in the past six months. Yes. I felt that same yes. way of seeing that shoe and being like, I kind of want to just go back and buy it for historical purposes. You said 400 bucks. 400 bucks, pretty good. DS? And they're like... They are DS, but they're they're like aged. You know what okay. I mean? It's not There's a it's patina t- to them. Yeah, definitely, which I love. So, mm-hmm. and it, and it goes back to the Nick Diamond podcast last week, having these conversations. Like when Chris Gibbs was talking about the Argons, I was like, I want these because of that. And Jason Sudeikis on sneaker shopping, but Nick Diamond, the stories, and to see that passion. We said it off the podcast, but him taking off the Habibi dunks and just being so into it. Man, one of my favorite episodes for sure. So if you haven't listened to it, definitely catch up on on the Nick Diamond episode that went live last week. Joe, can I ask where you got the Argon Dunks? I don't know who's sitting on stuff like that. Total independent person who I know who okay. I've known for a while and is just like moving. And um, he worked not with... Not Rudy Calderon of Yao no, Ming fame. No, not Rudy Calderon who got Yao Ming stolen seven foot seven in the South Shore Mall in front of his face. <laughs> not him. <laughs> but someone um, someone who you guys know. I don't want to blow up his spot, but just okay. like someone who you definitely know. Made some pickups. I got good prices. And to, I just say these conversations, you know, not to get too too kind of sentimental, but the conversations that we're having on this podcast really re-inspiring and to have someone like Nick Diamond on the podcast is – it, it, like, especially because I associate the Tiffany Dunk with a shoe that I chased for so long, and to hear the insidery stories that he told last week was just great. And to be honest, I'm happy about this week's podcast because we have another we have another great storyteller. And let's get to it right now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for, but you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over seventy percent of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on LinkedIn.com/people today. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Our guest on today's episode has touched virtually every part of the sneaker industry. He started out as a co-host of the Forward Thinking Weekly Drop podcast in the early 2000s, a sneaker and fashion weekly discussion way before the podcast space was what it is now. He then went on to be a brand manager and designer for Boston-based concepts. After moving on, he would creative direct for Boylston Trading Company and start his own brand, Business as Usual. His sneaker design prowess led him to collaborate on models like the Reebok Instapump Fury, Reebok DMX-10, and the instant classic Adidas Forum Crest. But the one design that landed him legendary status was the New Balance 999, dubbed the Kennedy. In 2017, he took his talents to Reebok, and his latest project hits close to home, working on the three-pack of Hot Ones X Reebok silhouettes that are currently available. We're looking forward to getting into all that history with our old friend, the current director of brand and product storytelling at Reebok, Frank the Butcher. Wow. No, peace. How you doing, man? I am good. I am good. Healthy. Healthy. How are yes. you guys doing? Good. Good. We're feeling all right. Well, yeah. we just got through a root canal, but we're feeling all right. Root canal. That's real. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's real. Frank, we want to take it all the way back with you. I want to start back in Worcester. Am I saying it right, Frank? Yeah, Worcester. Worcester. Mm-hmm. Worcester. Worcester, Mass. Worcester, Mass. About 45, 55 minutes west of Boston. And what did sneakers look like out there growing up? It was the same. You know, it it was, I mean, obviously information flowed a little differently. So Mm -hmm. my sources were magazines, no pun intended, the source magazine, Mm. you know, and, and, you know, rap videos, uh, album covers, you know what I'm saying? That was really my source of, you know, what to get and, and, and what was the barometer of cool. Um, and then I had to, you know, make those things happen. Right. But it was a different world. We had a we had a store called Kangaroo Crossing um, that was very much on the forefront of, you know, receiving all these. You know, when Jordan brand started, when Jordan, the line started really growing and, Mm -hmm. you know, all these specialty lines, they had it. So, you know, it it was a good mix of of being very into hip hop culture and being aware of all the nuances of that. And then, you know, um, having spots in the city that I can actually connect some of the dots. And what were some of the silhouettes that you were seeing in the source or in music videos that really you gravitated to right away? Well, I know the Jordan three, you know, black Mm -hmm. cement is this, you know, default answer, Mm Jay-Z, you know what I mean? Of course. Um, But in the beginning, it was really different. You know what I mean? It it wasn't just some layup. It wasn't just some like, of course we, we, you know what I mean? This was popping. It wasn't popping. There was nothing before it that looked like it. So, um, when I started seeing that, you know, and that sneaker was out for two years, right? So that was the, you know, you know, the model that was out for two years while they got things figured out, right? So there was two years of, you know, Boogie Down Productions, my philosophy video, uh, where he's wearing black, you know, black cement. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, cement, yeah, absolutely. And it's just, he's performing acapella and he's in front of a Jeep and he has like a leather jacket on. It's like my mind's blown. You know what I mean? It's like the music, the fashion. You know, Three Times Dope have a legendary album cover where they wore all three colors, the first three mm-hmm. colors of the three. So when, when you know, obviously the whole, you know, 
Dwayne Wayne thing, right? Mm-hmm. Different world and that yeah. whole thing. Like a lot of that stuff was brewing. It was brand new. It wasn't. It wasn't obvious like it was now. It wasn't. You couldn't even. I mean, you could rarely turn to someone else in your circle to have like an in-depth combo about it. It was just sprinkles of people noticing these these things. So um, that really motivated me and gave me like an extra interest in you know in this kind of stuff. You know, Frank. I know. I know Worcester's. You know, it's a different city than Boston, but, you know, the whole Massachusetts thing, I think a lot of people don't realize is how big Adidas was in Boston in the 80s, um, thanks to people like Ed OG, you know, um, and what was your experience with that? That was very true. And, and, and the closer you got to Boston, the stronger the hold, right? Like the more, mm-hmm. the more, the, the more of a grip. Um, there was right the further away from Boston, it was more preference. It was like, now nah, I'm down with Boston, or I got family in Boston, or I know, you know, what I mean, it's the nearest major city, and it was that kind of thing. But there were other people that it wasn't a game, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't a preference. It was, you know, they lived in a neighborhood, they lived in a climate, they lived among folks that, um, you know, uh, that was the uniform of choice. It meant more than just fashion, you know what I mean? So. The further you got from Boston, of course, there was this appreciation, especially with the generation right above me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Two, three mm-hmm. years older than me. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Those older guys, there was a real grip. But again, that same era I'm talking about, that 88, 89, that, that Mars Blackman, that, that Jordan era, that when music and, and sneakers start converging, when, when, when there's really a platform, that started to supersede all the legacy. You know what I'm saying? All the... I'm only down with Adidas. Of course, we love Adidas. I did a project. I'm very fond of Adidas. But um, in Worcester, there wasn't there there wasn't a, an, a, an allegiance. There was more of a preference. You know what I mean? You you run in the same circles of as like the OGs. You have so much respect from like Clark Kent and the New York guys. What do you think was the biggest difference between New York and Boston back then? When in in terms of sneakers. Hmm. Again, I'm from Worcester, just to clarify. So, you know, back then, um, I think it was about access, right? I think that, you know, uh, I might be able to see some things, again, through receiving it through media, through culture, through music, through rap videos, but not everything is actually present. You know what I mean? Um, and you know that, right? That was a, that was a, a, a symptom of, um, you know, developing product for particular regions that did well and, and and, and that's it. We didn't really have faith that that shit would sell anywhere else. So, you know, so there was a lot of that. There was a lot of um, access issues. But, you know, um, uh, as the culture grew, I use the word culture loosely, man. Like, it's, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's, you know what I mean? Let's, yeah. You know, but, you know, when the interest grew, when, when more people got into it, the access opened up. And then when I got old enough to start taking a trip to New York. Mm-hmm. I started really connecting further the, the dots even further where the things that I've seen and how I can touch them. You know what I'm saying? Um, that was really the difference. But the, again, the interest, I mean, number one, it was born in New York, so it's permeating out of New York, right? But um, the, the the signal was received. You know what I'm saying? Like We caught the signal. Do you remember what those sneaker stores were when you first came to New York? Because for me, that was a big moment, being able to be in the city for the first time and see all these places that, for me, you know, uh, being younger, I had seen on the Internet and that only existed as JPEGs. Like, where were you going for the first time when you went to New York to see sneakers? I think one of the first first real trips was downtown Brooklyn. 
you know, I had a friend um, who lived in Worcester with me who was from New York originally and his mom still lived out there. So early high school, we'd catch the Greyhound, go out there, freeze our ass off, you know what I mean? Walk the city, try to find some NYC Air Force Ones, bring them back home, you know what I mean? That whole that whole thing. Um, and my wife's originally from Queens. Her family is from from Queens. So we've opened, and I've been with her since I was 13, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So um, there was a lot of going to see her family. They become my family. So Jamaica, Queens, that whole Jamaica Ave, um, it became, you know, another place where I can, especially being from what's the dip over there, that shit was kind of in the future, right? If you grab something there, you might be, you know, a year ahead of the curve when you come home. So right. um, there was a lot of benefit to those trips. And Frank, I think the moment when a lot of people started to notice you was the weekly drop podcast, as as Joe mentioned, um, co-hosted by yourself, Jeff Carvalho from High Snob and Rob Hepler. Um, I remember one of the first stories that kind of gave you a little bit of notoriety on the Internet was is that you had ended up buying a bunch of spizikes like uh, before before they came out and everyone was blown how you just went and was like, I'm going to buy all of these sneakers before they drop. Yeah, I remember that vaguely. And I remember sitting on a lot of them, too. You know what I mean? So that was lesson number one. Was it the black colorway? The, the first one? No, no. It was um, it was the the white. It was like the true blue. Okay. You know what with I mean? The, with the yellow. Um, yeah. Yeah. And it came out like for some reason I came up on them a little early. Um, you know, just because you could don't mean you should. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I say the weekly drop, we look nowadays, everyone has a podcast. Do you ever mm. look back and think like, man, we were so ahead and not ahead in 2015, not ahead in 2012. This was like, what was it? 2006, 2005. Yeah. yeah. So ahead. How did that come about? And like, do you, do you ever look at that now? And you're like, look at this space. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And I got to I got to give all due respect and all due credit to Jeff and Rob. They they already had it established. You know, let me say something about both of them. Jeff, um, he was always in the future. Okay. This motherfucker sending me the, the invite to Gmail like, yo, psst, hey, check this out. <laughs> the baby. Wow. I'm like, who cares? Wow. You know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> like um, Jeff always had one eye into the future and he, you know, um, and he'd apply that into what we're doing. So podcasting was something that, you know, he was just very much up on, you know, and it was different. Obviously, it wasn't a streamable thing. It was a downloaded file. So much extra work. It wasn't as, you know, as user-friendly as it is today, but they was on that. I didn't know, what is that, you know? Um, And then I met met Rob. He he had um, someone, I think he was related to someone in the city in Worcester. So okay. I met somebody and, and, and you know, and, and again, that kind of thing is small and brewing and growing. So when you meet somebody with these types of interests or insights, you quickly, you know, hey, introduce you to somebody. So I met Rob. Um, yeah. And they were basically, you know, I met both of them. They were doing their thing. They both, you know, uh, lended a, a particular early perspective to what was brewing and sneakers mm-hmm. and and and, um, and streetwear. And they had weekly droppers already popping and, and, and viable without me. And, and when I joined, um, you know, I added I added the which was just normal to me. You know what I mean? Which mm-hmm. was everyday shit to me. But, they, I, you know, the, the, the hip hop component, the. You know, what sneakers, what sneakers meant on the street as opposed to what they mean, you know, in more controlled environments, right? You know, um, in sneaker circles and such. So um, the connect, the bridge from what we were doing and, and talking about sneakers and, and all the street culture uh, things and connecting them with, with hip hop, you know what I mean? Um, I, I brought that in, 
you know, and, and yo, they, it opened up a whole new world. I got to give them, um, shouts of respect because, um, you know, a teen parent without any college education, um, I seen an opportunity and someone opened the window and that's the window I, I climbed through and here, and here we are, you know, X amount of years later, you know, was that your first proper entry into the sneaker business? Absolutely. Yeah. Did, did you ever dream of it or was it, was it something you'd planned? No, no, no. Um, not to get all, you know, somber or whatever. But my, my little brother, 21 years old, died um, about a year before I met Rob, Rob and mm-hmm. Jack. So um, I died in a car accident. He was my, my best buddy. You know what I mean? He was my little brother, six years younger than me. Um, and it really threw me for a little depression. You know, um, I just wasn't feeling really good about myself. So I was, you know, young family and I was working and, and I worked in a metal shop. I was That's where Frank the Butcher comes from. My friends would mm-hmm. joke because I had this blue collar existence. I go check them out and they're chilling, they're running the streets and you know what I mean? And I come mm-hmm. in with my uniform on and they just, you know, um, but you know, when he passed away, um, I had to reevaluate the things that I was doing. I wasn't feeling really good about myself and my job laid me off. You know, I asked them to, and they obliged and they gave me a nice little package and they, so I can sit down. Um, and in that sitting down, um, I started to discover all these other things. And um, I think with that sitting down, I, I started exploring the, the, you know, what the internet has to offer a little bit more now that I'm sitting right and understanding. It was, you know, it, everything wasn't obvious, um, you know, and and that's how it basically the transition happened, man. It was like, yo, I need I need to start something new. I need to do something. I linked with the weekly drop and it wasn't a business. I know you're saying like the first steps of the sneaker business. By no means was it a business. We weren't making any money. We were spending money. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was times where we couldn't afford to do things. We couldn't get to magic or slate or whatever it was at the time. Um, shit, one of our first trips together to slate, Bun B paid for it. Wow. Damn it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um just yeah, to like it, hang just to chop it up with you guys, or he respected what you guys were doing, or what? Bun B, he is uh <laughs> the nicest person in ever. Yeah. Yes. The nicest um, person. And, and, and very nice aware. Bun B when I met him at the Source Awards. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Um he's he was very aware. So he was up on weekly drop early. Very early. I'm talking about, you know, early. Like who who's listening? Nobody should be listening. And, and Bun is listening. And we had set up this um this toll-free number or whatever, you know what I'm saying? For, for you to call right. in and leave a message, right? <laughs> um, which is common now. But I'm telling you, at the time we're like, yo, what what the fuck are we doing? You know what I mean? Um, and Bun called and he left a message. Yo, what's happening? It's Bun B. I fuck with y'all. I love the weekly drive. And I'm like, you know, so being the resident, you know, like hip hip hop guy, you know, on the show, I broke down who Bubby was and how amazing this is. And um, just through that connection, you know, um, he helped us out when, when when we didn't have the funding to get out there. You know, um, traveling from Massachusetts to Vegas is no joke. You know what I'm saying? Back then, really with no promise and no, you know what I mean? There was really no business, no money being made. It was just passion. Yeah. And how did you get hired at Concepts? Because the Concepts thing happened basically right after the weekly drop, right? And I feel like a well, lot of people yeah. first knew you because of your work at Concepts. Yeah. So basically, when I when I linked with Weekly Drop, it brought me close. It got it brought me, you know, closer into the city, into Boston, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm running in those circles now, and I'm going to some events, and just I mean, again, it's 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 not a ton of stuff, you know what I mean? Um, but with those moves, you know, I met the Concepts guys, I met Tarek. Um, Tarek was on the verge of uh, 
building out the new standalone, what was the new standalone mm-hmm. concepts back then. Um, that's probably old. Listen, I'm not good with linear timelines. That's, mm-hmm. you know, maybe 06 or something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was prepping. And in that preparation, he's, you know, that team is thinking about, yo, what are we going to do? We need this, we need that. Collaborations started becoming, you know, a way um, a shop can separate themselves from the pack. You know what I mean? It wasn't many shops that can collaborate. And when mm-hmm. you did that, you kind of rose your stock and it opened up new opportunities. And, um, and they were just looking for a, a way to manage all that and figure that out, you know? So, um, yeah, one day I'm just there and I'm talking to Tarek and I know the guys, I'm, you know, buzzing in and out with, with, you know, on the strength of Rob and on the strength of Jeff. Um, I'm mostly on the strength of Rob. Um, yeah. And it just, you know, yo, why don't you come aboard and help us do this? And, you know, and, and I had zero, I mean, there wasn't even a blueprint. There was no mm-hmm. plan. It was a zero plan, bro. There was zero plan, but it was like, okay, now that you're here, let's, let's figure out a plan. And how long how did it, it take you to realize how crazy Dion was? <laughs> you remember the, do you remember the first time you met him? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I don't even think he liked me really much in the beginning. What? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. No, not, not Dion is, um, Dion is special. He's great. He's great. He's, he has a personality, you know, it's like to, to, to know him is to love him. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Um, to know him is to love him. Um, I know he has this, 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 you know, exterior, this, you know what I mean? Um, you know, but he, he's, he's, he's great. You, you know guys what I mean? went to an Everlast show together one time? Yeah, we went to an Everlast show and he fucking called it, man. He was like, yo, you see that guy right there with the, <laughs> what'd he say? <laughs> yo, what did Dion say? So Everlast comes to town. He's like, yo, come to the show. And it's at the Paradise, I believe. Paradise. Uh, I don't know where it was. Somewhere mm-hmm. in Boston. Harper's Ferry in Austin. So we come through, you know, Everlast is Everlast. He loves sneakers, you know. And the thing is, what, what's so crazy about this time is that some people didn't know. People were at the Everlast show and they used to know Everlast for playing the guitar and, mm-hmm. and whatever. They don't even know this whole other thing that he's into. Like, they're not even hip to it, right? So, you know, Everlast come by the shop and, and all that. So we go to the to the show. Um, rowdy crowd, obviously. You know what I mean? It's Everlast. Um, Dion sees this dude kind of walking on his toes. You ever see them dudes like college <laughs> dude? You know what I mean? Yeah, like, ready? You know, like yeah, like trotting like a like a gazelle or something. Mm-hmm. And he had his his collar up on his polo shirt. And Dion called. Him, he said, "Yo, that dude's looking for a fight. Yo, you see his shirt? You see how he's wearing his shirt? You see how he's walking? He's looking for a fight. <laughs> the angle yeah. on the collar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, I don't know. Within ten minutes, something happened." Beer is everywhere. I'm covered in beer. I looked, the dude got his shirt off. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, he uh, called it, he called it, he called it. Um, you know. And he knows that with those circles. So <laughs> you know. it, like as, as you mentioned though, that's when you like first got your foot into working on collaborations. You mm-hmm. know, you guys did Timberland projects. I was looking for it back here. I can't find that it, was but I had, a, I had a yeah. I had a I had the the New Balance fifteen hundreds, the the mm. brown ones with the with the red. I think there's a free, the Freedom mm. Trail shoes is just like a era or mm. whatever. But what was it like just going from you know a guy you did a little podcasting and just like being really into sneakers to all of a sudden like you're designing your own sneakers? It was it was um yo know, sometimes it was some pressure. It was it was a lot of pressure because every every 
you know, and at the time, it, it, it maybe I didn't look at it that way. I looked at it as the hustle, the struggle, we're going to get this going, you know what I mean? But what we were trying to accomplish was unheard of. Just think of the shit we was trying to do. Think of mm-hmm. the things that we were trying to sew together and make sense of, right? Like taking these fragmented thoughts, you know, that are so common now, right? The boutique mentality, this 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 uh, configuration of all these, you know, items and products that won't necessarily sit together, right? So when you have that, we started evolving that. Now, how do we express that through collaboration? How do we do things that really make people go, they're, they're doing a Red Wing, you know, kind of before the Red Wing thing. They're doing yeah. a Red Wing. Like, we, we'd always get that... Um, you know, um, on the verge of, of maybe a not working out feeling, you know, like, you know, nobody's really wrong. doing red wings, you know what I mean? This can go wrong. And then, and then somehow we, we'd make a way. Um, but back then it wasn't easy. It wasn't common. Um, uh, these conversations need to be pitched. We need to talk. They need to see value in these companies. You know, there was only a handful, you know, obviously Supreme is kind of the exception. And then right after that, you had to Stussy, which is in that same category, and then like the undefeated A Life was really, you know, uh, working back then, and, yeah. and um, you know, and then you had some other, you know, like the Japanese stuff, right? But really, there was only like a, like a handful. So mm-hmm. everything we did, we needed it to, you know, we we really wanted it to work, right? And there was no way to really measure if it worked or not until we sold it. You know, so it wasn't just all fun and games. Kennedy was, a, you know, um, there was some there was some arguments. No, I, I look back. It's like it's not an argument, but there mm-hmm. was some, you know, conversation. There was some debate about whether we were doing the right shoe, whether we were doing, you know, whether that arrangement of colors and materials, you know, were viable. I remember someone at New Balance who's great and, and I, I, you know, have a good relationship with him. The person we were dealing with was really adamant about removing the tan for some reason. He was like, God, tan's not going to work. It's like, yo, what are we doing here? Like, mm. you know, it, it was like a, a, a the combination of trying to do something new with enough familiar to, to, to bring some comfort to everybody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. Um, because every time Mad Bat was, was important. Was know? there ever any trouble over the name, the Kennedy name on that New Balance 999 from 2011? <laughs> Yeah, a little bit of trouble on that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Um, so, big shout to Woody from Sneaker Freaker. Um, of course. Okay. Legend. I mean, say that again. Legend. <laughs> okay. Legend. Um, in his books were coveted. You know, the cover of a Sneaker Freaker um, mm-hmm. can change the trajectory of your brand, of your shop. Yeah. 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 You know what I mean? The the the, the cosign, the, the the validation was real. Um, so, friend of mine um, still doesn't mean that he's going to put you on the cover, no matter how. He was just, he was just, you know, his integrity about choosing these things was was so on point, right? So, send him the Kennedy images, like the first round of Im- images, just to kind of show him, like, yo, here's what's going on, here's what it is. It's inspired by you know the nautical culture of. Cape Cod and Massachusetts towards the coast, you know, um, and just as, as context, you know, like the Kennedy thing, you know, that whole feel that, that mm-hmm. whole, you know, um, so he hit me back. He was like, Hey, check this out. Love it. You know what I mean? Send me the shoe. We're going to, you know, do it, you know, make it happen, whatever, whatever. Um, so boom. All right. When, um, a couple combos go by and he's like, Hey, what are you calling this shoe? And I'm like, I, I, we don't really got a name, you know, yeah. we, we don't, we don't have a name, you know, it, I don't know. And he was like, why don't you call it the Kennedy? 
And I'm like, all right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I didn't clear it with New Balance. So we didn't clear it with New Balance. Uh, we didn't clear it on the behalf of, of Concepts and New Balance. And we didn't think it was a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't even consider any fallout. You know, um, they would, New Balance was dealing with some sensitive um, trademark issues uh, with a previous project, something co- coming out of Japan, if, if I recall correctly, something coming out of Japan that, um, uh, you know, used Ivy League inspiration, <clears throat> which is a little okay. too close for comfort. And, and you know, mm-hmm. it was just like, yo, check this out. We can't be throwing these names in there. So, um, yeah, when the book hit, it was one part, everybody excited, and the other part, New Balance going, well, we didn't approve that, and, and we had to kind of talk about it, which I understand. I totally understand. You know. And, and Frank, you did the Adidas Forum Crest the same year. So talk about that project. I remember three colorways, you, you sent them to me. I remember being at that 23rd Street office. It was like the smoothest, like, you know, they'll tell you I'm not the biggest adidas guy compared to like some other brands but those high tops the three colorways talk about that project like knocked it out of the park and it was the same year as the new balance project what was it like working on those simultaneously you know what i never even because i didn't even it's been a long time i didn't even consider it were the same year now looking back obviously they were um i don't know i think just to clear something up on the forum right so and enough time has passed, but mm-hmm. I was working on that project, the same project, exactly what it, what it is, four concepts previous to, to me leaving concepts. Okay. Um, not to speculate, you know what I mean? I'm not sure what happened. Um, it was a tough shoe, you know, street, very high shoes, um, you know, the, with, with the, you know, a cultural story, um, but still might not be strong enough to sell this kind of shoe to our kind of consumer, right? It's, it's, you know, it's one of them things, right? It's like in retrospect, we look back and we're like, oh, fire. While we were doing it, we're nervous. Like, yo, is anybody going to wear this shoe this high? Um, So we were working on it. I moved on. um, And I got a call one day and said, hey, you know, Concepts has has decided to uh, move on from the project. Um, would you like to pick it up since it's your project, you know? Mm. Um, and just to reiterate, the project, exactly what it was, exactly what I did previous, you know, um, played, you know, fine-tuning, you know, at post. But, yeah, so Adidas hit me. I had this new situation at at, at Karma Loop where I came over mm-hmm. to develop mm-hmm. their uh, more premium category, you know, as the, mm-hmm. as the boutique world was shifting in, in that direction. Everybody was scrambling to, to, you know, get a little piece of that, right? And present some brands at a little higher end. Um, so when I went over there and started developing that, I got that phone call and it just lined up, you know? So, um, yeah, so that's why that project is um, it's special to me because, number one, it, 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 it connects to something real. You know, me seeing people in my neighborhood wearing that shit, you know, 88, 89, mm-hmm. the shoe was super expensive. I mean, it was unheard of. It was, it, it, I mean, you, you had to do something. I mean... There's no way a person that worked a regular job in my age group or a couple years above mm-hmm. was buying that shoe. So you know who was buying that shoe. So there was an allure. There was, a, you know, this 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 mystique about it, and it was just, you know, it was just some cool ass shit. So it was even you know, a mythical like, shoe when you tried to recreate it, right? Like finding yes, it in the archives. I couldn't find it. No, yeah. I couldn't. They didn't have it. It was they like a dream. Yeah, they did not. They they did not have any evidence of the crown shoe. Mm. The crown. That, that little insignia form. on the form. Yeah. They didn't have any, uh, and I'm not saying, you know, you know, if they, you know, I'm not sure if they explored the whole archive, but 
you know, at hand's reach, you know, as a resource to help develop a project, they could not locate any information. So I had to do the rounds and the shoe. So obviously I went to Clark first. Clark understood. He knew exactly what it, what it was. And he sent me in a few directions. And one of the directions he sent me in was um, DJ M's, mm-hmm. who is, uh, okay. uh, you know, obviously a, a, a not only, uh, you know, has a legacy as a DJ, you know, um, but is an avid Adidas collector. Mm-hmm. Specializes. I don't want to speak yeah. out of turn, but I believe he specializes in Adidas. Totally. So, yep. um, yeah. So he sent me one. It was a size thirteen. It looked huge. It was, it was like, <laughs> you know, um, and it was uh, like a faded blue over time, and it had you know gray and silver stitching on the crown. It was like holy shit. Like this shoe I seen as a kid, hustlers running around with them, and I'm there on the handball court listening to MC Light. You know what I mean? And I'm like, mm-hmm. yo. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and, and when I secured the shoe, um, me and Dion made a trip to Portland. Um, might add that trip, I went through the the you know what I mean security, and I got pulled to the side, and they <laughs> tore my whole shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> and they took the shoe, and it was in a big sandwich bag, and they lifted, and they took it. And they're like, "What the fuck?" And it's this big old shoe, and I'm like, "Yo, what's going on?" And, and Dion's just off to the side talking to the guy, like, "Yeah, you know, nah, you know the Red Sox, whatever." I'm like, <laughs> "Oh no," you know what I mean? So. Um, not, nah, but went to Portland with the shoe and from there, people really understood what it was, you know, Frank, after that, you had a three pack of unreleased new balance 1600s. I know you were really upset about those shoes not coming out. Can yeah. you talk about that project? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so first long time ago. You know what I mean? A whole other mm-hmm. world, a whole other time, mm-hmm. a whole other mm-hmm. person. So the way I reacted to that experience was one who, um, you know, after leaving concepts and, and and having a young family, I'm just trying to, you know, move forward. I'm trying to build a mm-hmm. life for me and my family. And so that project was very much connected to my livelihood, you know what I mean? To my equity, right? To my mm-hmm. to my positioning, right? If I, you know, like Joe pointed out, you know, I have a, a couple shoes that, you know, um, the same year, whatnot, and and, and and I'm growing, and my brand is growing, and my value is growing, and my perspective is now being pulled into other things, and people value that. Um, I had to keep it going. I got kids. Mm-hmm. I got to, you know, mm-hmm. eventually went to college, right? Um, so that's why I responded in such a way. You know, um, all due respect to New Balance, they came to me um, very clear and open and transparent. They, they, you know, my relationship with them was tight. Um, they allowed me even just starting the project in the way that it was me being an independent, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Standalone coming from an account that they have found great success with me starting a new thing and them trusting that I can take some of those values that I had, you know what I mean? That I, that I was working with and and move on and, 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 and be a new partner, you know, not, not in place of, but in addition to, um, it didn't work out. You know, uh, you know, I think politics of the city, you know, Mm -hmm. Boston was one um, where shops tended to, you know, tend to fight, you know, back in the day, tend to fight for positioning. Right. We had two very prominent. I mean, you know, how many other cities had two shops like that? You know, bodega Mm -hmm. concept. So there was Mm -hmm. a very, very much a a competitive, uh, you know, atmosphere to the detriment of my project. 
and to the detriment of, of even relationships on the strength of it, right? So um, I chalked that up to, you know, again, that competitive nature. Um, I was upset at the time. It affected me, you know, um, the way I processed it with somebody that was, you know, viewing it and, and living it in that way. Um, but it was a learn. It was a learning. It was, you know, it was definitely a learning because I think people feel that, you know, it's always all love. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's always mm-hmm. like, yo, Frank the Butcher. Mm-hmm. I know that guy. Give him whatever he wants. Yo, let's do this. Hey, concept. No, sometimes you got to get in there. And you got to figure it out. And that was mm-hmm. one of the situations where it just wasn't figured out. And um. And to speak on me being upset publicly, you know, it was just one of the only ways I can really express myself. You know what I mean? It was one of the only ways to get it off my chest. You know, I felt slighted at the time. Um, and I look back and, you know, um, I understand it more now. And I probably wouldn't have responded that way. You know, I, I, but I, love, I love those shoes, yeah. you know. Me too. I, I, I yeah, found a yeah. blog post I wrote like 10 years ago or yeah. nine years ago or whatever before we were doing this show. And yeah. I remember being so hyped when I saw those 1600s with the star perforations or the, the debossing yeah, on it. Yeah. And this was coming from me from a year yeah. earlier. I remember calling concepts all day to do a phone order when the Kennedy 999s released there and finally getting through literally yeah. six hours sitting in my apartment calling, calling, calling and wow. finally getting through and got yeah. the bag with it and all that stuff. So yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, people were disappointed, Frank, when those shoes didn't come out. Yeah, yeah me too. I was and too. I, and I remember when me and Ronnie went up to Boston to do the butcher's block. I remember yeah. in that office, correct me if I'm wrong, it was like a long room, skinny long room, and I remember you had the samples on the desk and you were yeah. talking to me and Ronnie about the project and how it, you were so, mm-hmm. so passionate, you loved those shoes and that, you know, you, you were like, uh, there, there's some like static right now. But I, I remember, I, I yeah. vaguely remember being in that your office and seeing those shoes on your desk and, and you know, you talking about uh, this project that I have a follow-up and we'll see where it goes, but yeah. You know, it, it, it for me, for me, back then, I looked at it as um, turning a corner. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, mm-hmm. It was a 1600, right? So the company I worked with previous, you know, concepts, um, that wasn't a shoe that they worked with, right? So it was a fresh start on a new model that I can really have ownership over, right? And nobody was um, really doing 1600s yeah. at the time. Nobody, nobody, nobody. Um you know, doing the types of things I did on the shoe, the the the, the star embossed on the toe, people weren't really doing stuff like that. You know, um, back then, I'm sure there was examples. You know, I think Matt Hectic had done something possibly a little, similar a little bit. Um, but even just the, the 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 creative of the shoe, I felt like, all oh, right, like I'm getting funky. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm, I got mm-hmm. some elbow room. Like you know, and the plan was three. We dropped two. You know, with every shoe, you you know what I mean? You got a chance to get a letter, then you get this white version. Um, it was like a culmination of all the things I learned previous up to that moment. And I felt like it was a perfect uh, platform for me to showcase all that I've learned, all that I've, you know what I mean? Sharpened my, my tools. Um, and when I didn't have the opportunity to do so, you know, um, it broke my heart. Frank, being at Boylston, obviously you mentioned that it was under the the Karma Loop umbrella. Karma Loop run by Greg Selko, kind of a legendary figure for many reasons in the streetwear industry. What was it like working with him? Do you have any crazy stories from it? <laughs> Only crazy stories. He was one of one, man. He was one of one. He he I, I say this, man, he was singular in his vision. You know what I mean? When mm-hmm. he locked in on something, um, 
he did not. Did, I mean, reality didn't matter. You know what I mean? Mm. Um, and that's why he is who he is. You know what I mean? He he identifies some type of solution, something he's trying to solve, right? Con Loop TV was yeah. one of those solutions, right? And it yeah. and it predates all of this shit. You know what I mean? Um, yep. Shouts to Dennis Tedesco, wasn't he hosting a little bit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah shout Dennis to Dennis. De- yeah. yeah, yeah. And shout to big, big love to Dennis. That's that's yeah. my guy. That's my yeah. guy. And um, yeah. And man, he was um, he was uh in it. He was in it. He was of it. He understood it. And mm-hmm. and and if you talk to him now, you know exactly. You know what I mean? He mm-hmm. he is um, you know, he's a mind inside of this. You know what I mean? I remember young Dennis just caring about things and having such a positive attitude and not being, uh, you know, uh, you know, not being too cool about things, not being mm. too, you know what I mean? Yeah. And with that, with that kid, like at the time, I thought this kid, like energy, yeah. he just absorbed and learned and sharpened so many, so many skills. You know what I mean? Um, you know, outfit grid. Oh, I made fun of outfit grid. Oh my God. Did mm. I have a mm. party? You were sitting on Dennis? Yeah. No. I was playing, you know, we were playing with friends, right? <laughs> you know? Um, but man, um, when Alfred Grid started, it was just something, you know, just, you know, I just it was just something to make fun of for me. It was just something, mm. to, you know, Alfred, come on, man. You, mm. you know, just me, me being me, me being, you know, the 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 older guy, the, you know, mm. just when these new things happen, sometimes, you know, right? Um, boy, boy was I wrong. You know what I mean? He, he loves he it. Had, he yeah, loves he, it. He yeah. still has fun with it. Yeah. He's like one of the nicest guys. And and that's a testament to why yeah. Yeah. he's been doing it for yeah. so long and, and for such a yeah. young age. But he's, Selko, a, he's a great guy. Yeah. Selko yeah. had like laser vision for yeah. what he was like. You know, I, I can't believe even FaZe Clan. He was involved with FaZe Clan recently. Yeah. Like another yeah. thing. So, yeah, I mean, I'm sure like and everyone probably bought into the vision, right? At the time. Yeah. Yep, everybody bought into the vision. Um, some people bought in further and would jump off cliffs, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, for him, you know, we've had some some bang out, like he was would do these live karma loop uh events, right? Mm-hmm. And um, one time we did it like in a warehouse in Brooklyn. It's like one time so that's when the one of the first times Action Bronson came to town. Okay. Yeah. I brought him I brought him because he was featured on one of those karma loop lives things okay. live streams mm-hmm. i forget what he was doing you know just being being himself or whatever but um yeah yeah listen i'm listen i don't remember i'm not gonna say something wild <laughs> on, right 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 on, no yeah, but yeah, we, yeah but yeah i you know he, he's he you know yeah am i am i bugging or speaking of bronson did, did action bronson end up with one of those 1600s yeah i get i think yeah i gave him one yeah we had but, action bronson twice on sneaker shopping i think he brought you up twice he oh, really I didn't even yeah, he, oh, I mean, he, he, he really, he really, it, it, even if it was off camera, I know that both times he brought it up, that silhouette that you, the New Balance and, and your relationship with them and the designs that you've done still stick in people's minds, obviously. But I remember him specifically bringing it up twice. Yeah. Shouts to, shouts to my guy, Bronson. Very early. I met him early. I met him um, after Le- the Lecter album. Mm-hmm. You okay. know, Dante yep. Ross was managing him at the time too. Yeah, um, I'm not sure if you guys know Dante. Of course, um, of course, course. guess the gas face. <laughs> Dante, another legend. Um, so you know, Dante was was. Uh, I don't mean to go into this story. I it feels like this. That's is what we're here for. Would, yeah, people would be interested in. So, um, yeah, uh, 
met him through Dante. Kick, you know, fast friends. You know what I'm saying? He loved mm-hmm. New Balance. Mm-hmm. Um, that was really something that we really talked about. New Balance, New Balance. Actually, I gave him. I only had two Kennedys, and I gave him one. And that's the one he wore in the video. You know, with the with the convertible BMW on the on the basketball court. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he wore a Kennedy in there. That was that was the one I gave him. But he loved he loved New Balance, man. It's like some New York shit, some Queen shit too. You know what I mean? May <laughs> May and him, like anything with a reflector, anything with with you know, it's that graffiti culture, that polo culture, that mm-hmm. reflectors and mm-hmm. colors and suede and the grays. Um, he's very much of that. So I even brought him up there, um, you know, for first trip up to the company, you know. Um, he loved it. He's great. Oh, done froze. Uh oh. <laughs> Come back. <laughs> I don't want him to miss this part. Oh, he says he lost, he lost power. power. Wow. Okay. It's weird. Sorry, Frank. Well, I just signed up for two thirds. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> uh, okay. He said fully out or uh, Zoom on phone, maybe. Oh, wait. He's back. He's back. He's back now. Can you wait? I was like, why is there this awkward silence? There's never. And then sure enough. <laughs> you look at his face and it's yeah, like. I'm like, uh, like, damn, this story fell. <laughs> Nobody gives a fuck. <laughs> there he is. Yo, I have no idea. Wow. Dude, the like literally like my light went out. I'm like, I, I was like, did my energy? Yo, that was crazy. Did you lose your quick time? <laughs> Yeah, no. I'm no, I'm still, I still got my recording. Sorry about that, Frank. I, yo, I heard the, the stove beep out there. I'm like, what just happened? <laughs> yeah, you got the air fryer on too hard or something? <laughs> I have no clue. <laughs> At first, I thought it was frozen, but then I realized my light was out. I'm back, baby. I'm back. <laughs> okay, just a heads up for the audience. For the first time, we've had a lot of technical difficulties, but we've always managed to keep it going. For the first time, Brendan Dunn. His power just went out, so we had to regroup. We are back now I'm with uh, Frank the Butcher, Brendan. Let's I, pick I did off. pay the light bill, just just so everybody okay. knows. It's, it's not an issue. It's not an issue with Con Ed. Okay, and Brendan, so, I, Brendan, I just want to be clear. I, I I made it clear that I wasn't moving forward with just two out of three. Exactly. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> Thank, like, you. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. Yep, it's true. Full experience. <laughs> Thank you. You, you. I don't know if you know. It, maybe it was fate because we got to talk about Reebok. Yeah, the Bach boys. And, and, and I didn't want to miss this part because Frank. You've been at Reebok for a couple of years now. Tell me about first joining the brand in 2017. Was was it a scary experience in any way of being like, oh, I got to be all about this one brand because you're such a diverse guy when it comes to sneakers and your resume? Yeah, yeah. It was it was some of that. There was definitely some of that. But I, I needed to – I was at the point in my life where I needed to transcend all of that. Like, what mm-hmm. am I going to do? Like, am I just going to be out here, you know, on seating lists? Like, is this what my life's about? You know what I mean? Am I going to be out here – overstaying my welcome. I need to find next step. I need to um, start figuring out, you know, this upward mobility. Again, um, today, maybe, I'm not saying it's, it's easy ever, but today people have blueprints. There's guys out here that have a plan that can see all the, you know what I mean? Yeah. But back then I didn't. So I was very conscious of overstaying my welcome, right? Mm. You know, in terms of that 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 value of collaboration and, and, and continuing to do those things. I don't want to, you know, let me, let me, let me figure out the next phase of my life. So um had a few conversations, a few good conversations previous to Reebok. Um, wasn't sure what what I was going to decide on. Um, yeah, and then I I had a meeting with Reebok, checked in with them, um, had a great combo with with Todd Krinsky. 
Um, and we rolled from there. And I think part of it was I've had a long relationship with Reebok. You course. know what I mean? The building was very familiar. Yes. Walking through the yes. Canton campus felt like home, you know, whether it was with Dion um, for concepts, buying trips, you know, uh, back in the day into that building where, you know, Matt Ting and other people would mm. be. This is early. The Ting you know? Dynasty. Yeah, yes. yeah, exactly. The Ting Dynasty continued, obviously. Um but I had a long relationship with them. I had a long relationship with Mitchell and Ness, right? Um, at Concepts, you know, those, you know, kind of the first, uh, you know, uh, innovations, right? We were trying to do things differently. So when we do a Timberland and we we connected a Mitchell and Ness project and made it, mm-hmm. those things would, would, weren't really done. So it gave me an opportunity to meet so many different people um, in and out of those companies that when I went to have those conversations, it felt like something that, you know, I was prepared to do. But um, yeah, I was a little nervous and, and obviously it takes me, you know, it makes getting dressed a little easier, you know, <laughs> but Reebok was a thing for you even growing up. Like I remember you saying that you saw people with classic leathers on back in Worcester. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So a- absolutely. There was a, there was a, there was like this Hispanic set of kids, right. When, when I grew up, right. So, you know, um, the dynamic of, of where I grew up, right. You know, um, I'm Puerto Rican. But, you know, uh, my parents came here young, so English is my primary, you know, language and the culture that comes with being in those neighborhoods, being at that age, I skewed in that way, hip hop mm-hmm. and, you know what I mean? Um, and sneaker culture and, and, and all of that stuff, right? Um, but I had a, a large group of friends and some of my friends were more in the, you know, closer to the Hispanic culture, maybe closer to Puerto Rico, came, maybe came when they were, you know what I mean? When they were when they were kids as opposed okay. to being born here like me. So those kids, um, there was a lot, there was like a, a trend amongst that set that, you know, um, loved classic Reeboks, you know what I'm saying? And, um, you know, the things that we call the classic collection now, but they, they were just so into it. So there was like a dipping in and out of it. You know what I mean? It was like this coexistence of everything. They're being very aware of Nike and, and Jordan and the Adidas stuff that's happening. And then there was this, you know, thing that was more cultural, Right. And that was in the beginning. And after that, when when 90s Reebok basketball started becoming, you know, after that, it was it was open, you know. And what was it like um, coming into Reebok? Obviously, you, you mentioned Matt Ting and there's people like Naoki working there doing all the collaborations, but just mm-hmm. bringing more of your inspiration into a brand like Reebok that was maybe tied more to like the CrossFit end, yeah. end of end of it, you know. Public public view, that's absolutely, you know what I mean? What they see, right? Is this this company that skews more towards fitness. That's the company. That's the primary goal. Um, but in the building, there was such a passionate group of people who never took their eye off the ball in that regard, right? You look at through all those years, um, the programs, the certified network, the partnerships, they really put a lot of stock in. Um, the shops that that supported them in, in that space, right, in that sneaker space. So when, you know, obviously it skews the other way, you know, and you feel that publicly. But when I got in there, it didn't feel like it was missing. You know, you just need some fine tuning, right? You're forever learning. You're forever trying to figure out the next set of partners, you know. Um, but these guys, these guys were on it. So when I joined the board, it wasn't like... Um, it wasn't like I was coming to save anybody or anything like that. You know what I mean? It was me coming in, um, taking the experiences and the perspective and, you know, that everything that I, that I got up to that point and, and helping them refine the things that they were already working towards, you know, um, a lot of consulting, a lot of voice, a lot of, you know, 
it's just something that 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 um that it was just perfect timing for me to show up and have that have that perspective, you know. And one thing, obviously, the complex umbrella. We got to talk about the Hot Ones collaboration. You were instrumental yeah. in that. Talk about that project and and how you set out to be a to to develop it and and the process and and how it came about. I'm not just saying this as I'm on the show, mm-hmm. but. I've had a like a long relationship with Complex. Yes, showed me mm-hmm. showed me wild love early. Um, you know, put me in you know lists and, and, mm-hmm. and asked me to even write a couple times mm-hmm. for certain. You know, at a, you know just there's always been a, a real synergy between me and my friends at Complex. You know, um, down mm-hmm. to Rich when I see Rich out in public. The big man says hello. You know what, what I mean? What about Noah Callahan Bever wearing the oh. B, the business as usual hat for literally two years straight? <laughs> yeah, that's amazing. That's yes. amazing. That's amazing. Two years shout straight. To, yeah. Shout to NCB too. Yeah. You know, so when I got a phone call about um, the interest uh, in the building, shouts to Nico, um, Nico Bono. Um, little fun fact about Nico Bono, he's going to love this. His uncle, Joey Bono, right, is an extra in all types of mafia flicks. Really? I couldn't tell <laughs> yeah. by the name if yeah. he was Italian. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Dogs. He's in, I mean, I'm talking about from Raging Bull to like <laughs> analyze this. Oh, we got to like, get him with premium Pete. They'll have a Malbec yes, session. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to Nico. So um, Nico, Nico is the person who managed that project. Um, he's a he's a foodie himself. He has a high regard for food and your show. And I mean, he knows he knew everything about it before it was even pitched. Um, and all I did was, um, you know, be blessed enough to know you guys so well that someone would give me a call and break it down for me. Yo, this is you know what I mean. That that's a lot of it. A lot of it is just being being available. Um, it could have came through Nick. You know, um, I think Nick kind of set it off. Hey, my brother, yo, my brother. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and mm-hmm. we kind of worked it through there, but. Um, everyone was really excited. Everyone was really excited. Um, but, I mean, huge fans of the show, you know. Can you talk about it all? What's coming next from that project? Well, I've heard some things internally. Can we say anything on here? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I really, no, I really can't. You know what I mean? Um, I'm not privy to everything. Um, the people that manage that project, you know, um, I want to make sure that they they speak when it's time. Again, shout out to Nico. Um, but all I know is that Anytime Hot Ones is talked about in the building, everyone's excited. You know, it's just one of those projects where um, it just feels good. It's tangible, right? Like, you, you can relate to these guys. Everybody's on the show. Everybody's, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, in rare form, right? You, you can't be too cool. You're crying, right? Like, mm-hmm. there's this whole, mm-hmm. this whole uh, experience there that is very much like the Reebok experience, right? Where everything's not always so perfect and everything's so clean, right? You, 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 you know? So um, very much a connection there. And we love the show and, and, and yeah, and the project came out amazing. What, what was the biggest difference? Because you did your own Reebok collaborations with business as usual beforehand. And now you're working on collaborations through, through the Reebok side. What was it like to make that, that change? Well, I think one thing is you, you, you know, you have to know your place. You know what I'm saying? Um, regardless of what I did previous, um, I have a job to do, in my opinion, can only extend so far. So you got to respect, you know, what's happening in the project. I can't be Mr. King collaboration, you know. Um, so I understood that right off jump. Um, and secondly, I think that 
I provided some much needed perspective from the partner side. Cause sometimes, you know, dealing with a partner and, and trying to execute their, you know, their ambitions and, you know what I mean? And managing expectations. Sometimes that those type, types of things can fall through the cracks just because it's just people, you know, people doing their best, people trying to figure things out. So I think for me, um, one of the things I, I try to do is really lend perspective on how to treat partners, how mm-hmm. to communicate with them better. Not saying that they were bad at it, but more about saying, how do we make it better? How do we fine tune these relationships to get the best out of people? Cause I know that there were times where, um, maybe a little extra pliability from the company or a little extra, um, transparency from the company I was working with might've made things move a little easier, a little smoother. So I really tried to lend some of that, you know, Frank in 2018, some big new, some big sneaker news on the internet. We started this conversation with like celebrities wearing them, but so celebrities wearing sneakers, but Kanye in the OG colorway of the Reebok Daytona DMX in 2018, fully locked into an Adidas deal. When that happens, does it reverberate around the office? What's it? Yeah. It, it has to. Yeah, it does. Of course. Of course. I mean, there's no, there's no, I mean, I'm sure there is a yeah. metric, but Con- the Kanye effect is, is real. You know, yeah. we can't front on that. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you don't uh, have the same taste as him or if you don't appreciate all that he does. Um, the Kanye effect is real. You know what I mean? So when Kanye um, puts it, you know, with Kanye, he don't just wear something once. It mm-hmm. almost yeah. like, I almost feel like he'll throw on an outfit and wear it for two weeks, mm-hmm. which is great, right? So um, I don't know. When he touches something, what it did was validate something that we already loved yeah. internally. We loved the shoe. You know, we we had, we you know, we always want plans and amb- we have ambitions for a shoe. And we want to make sure that the consumer, you know, loves it as much as us. And sometimes we got to convince people. But when someone like Kanye comes along and wears something um, unannounced, uh, it, I don't think he got it for free. I mean, the shoe, right. you know, right? You didn't send it to you him. Know, uh, yeah, no, you know, um, it was a surprise. So, yeah. Um, that kind of thing brings a little much needed validation sometimes. So when we see things like that, we go, you know what, we're doing our thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe we haven't, um, you know, been as successful as other companies in, in doing certain things, but I think that there's a real credibility to the brand. There's a real credibility to the vector. You yeah. know what I mean? An unshaken credibility. So even if there isn't a financial success, or even if we're not the number two or number three brand, Right. There is this credibility, there's this legacy that if we foster it and nurture it, um, it's a beautiful thing. And I think that that's one of those examples, how people gravitate to our product without much coercing, because there is such a legacy and value to our brand. And and now he's probably in the zone that he's not only wearing it for fashion, he's probably wear testing these shoes because he's designing his own. Yeah. 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 But when you got Stephen Smith, you know what I mean? Yeah. Anything is, yeah. Anything is possible. Obviously, the, the doctor, Kanye he's connection. He's a Dr. Dre. He's a Dr. Dre of sneakers. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he had a couple firm albums, but most of them are hits. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> Old man reference, showing my age. Love it. The Kanye thing, too, makes sense because obviously Kanye is signed to Adidas or has this gigantic deal with Adidas and Reebok is under Adidas. Frank, I got to ask you another question that you, I totally understand if can't say anything, but um, how do we feel about the rumor that Adidas may be selling Reebok? I mean, it is what it is. It is what it is. Um, you know, it's never been. Listen, it's like it's a business, mm. and we work there. Business we as understand. 
it's business as usual. You yeah. know what I mean? Um, we know what it is. We know the, the struggles that we've had. We know that, you know, this year has been even, even harder. Um, so, you know, as a business, all parties need to do what's best for the, for the business, right? Um, but Reebok as an entity, Reebok as a brand, um, we're going to continue to work. We got work to do. You know, we, again, we have this amazing legacy and this, this credibility, you know, so when we hear things like that, obviously we wait for the clarifications and we try to understand it. But when you zoom out, it is what it is. You know, how many good companies have moved from, from place to place before they, you know, uh, saw their full potential. Right. So, um, yeah, it could be sometimes a little daunting. It comes out of nowhere, whatever. But the reality is it's a business. Um, and we're just going to continue to push forward and do what we got to do. Yeah. Who knows? You might join VF Corp with uh, Timberland and Supreme. Yeah, as, as 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 hinted at. I'm yeah, yeah, at. yeah. And and just to be clear, um, who knows, right? There's no, you know, we're not privy to any details. I mean, it is what it is. Exactly, exactly what was said in in the latest announcement. What was said to us is mm-hmm. very, very much aligned. There's never a. Yeah, I'm gonna say this, but over here I'll give you a little extra. It's it's very much in line. So everything that was said um, is what we received too. But um, yeah. It is what it is. Well, Frank, we can't thank you enough taking us through your journey. As you said, you are such like a lifelong friend of our brand, and we thank you Mm -hmm. for joining us. And so much sneaker history, and we're super excited to see what you guys are cooking up and for 2021. And again, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, You always have the the platform to come to come back and and the next the next project we want to talk about for sure. So hopefully we're doing this again in studio on video in in maybe a year or so. Guys, I appreciate the love. I appreciate the, you know, you guys always reaching out and showing respect. Much love, you know, Um, and be safe. Wear a mask. Yes, Yes. sir. Thank you, Frank. Thanks, Thanks, Frank. Thanks, Frank. Peace. Great. Our producer is Dave Matthews. Our associate producer is Jasmine Plata. Sound engineering done by William Smith. Special thanks to Jennifer Stewart and Shiva Bayet. The Complex Sneakers Podcast is a production of the Complex Podcast Network. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Mannies and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash presson and use code PRESSON25 at checkout for 25% off Impress Manicure and Press-On Falsies.